You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. This is the PGX for Pharmacists podcast. We believe pharmacists are the best positioned providers to lead in PGX. Pharmacogenomics is the study of how genes affect a person's response to drugs. This relatively new field combines pharmacology and genomics to develop effective, safe medications and doses that will be tailored to a person's genetic makeup. This podcast is dedicated to pharmacists with an interest in learning more about the data analytics, industry trends, and evidence-based usage of pharmacogenomics. Welcome to PGX for Pharmacists, part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. You know, pharmacogenomics has been fascinating to me um, since I entered that space and helping to develop a mobile application for physicians that would integrate with their EHR systems for um, quickly finding was one of their patients candidate for a PGX test from a from a payment perspective. So that opened my eyes up to biomarkers and the whole breadth of information under pharmacogenomics. Very interesting. There's a market industry analyst study, emerging technologies by forecast up until 2027. This was done by Abbott and AstraZeneca and Bayer. And the report was entitled Pharmacogenomics Market by DBMR. I'm going to put this in the show notes of today's episode on PGX for pharmacists, but global pharmacogenomics market analysis report will provide that best market study for the future trends and application for PGX between the physician, the drug developer, and ultimately the pharmacist, which is that driving factor for executing on treatments that are prescribed by our physicians. This is such an important part of healthcare and the future of healthcare. I'm so excited to resurrect the PGX for Pharmacists podcast, where we will have insights and um, and input from expertise in pharmacogenomics. Dr. Becky Winslow is helping us to relaunch PGX for Pharmacists, as well as Dr. Banaz Sarami, who's on the pharmacy podcast with us today. Benaz, how are you doing? Good. How are you, Todd? Thanks for having me. You're absolutely welcome. And I'm so thankful that you and Becky will be jumping into the, the, the subject of PGX. It's still very much a mystery to other healthcare providers to understand application, payment, best usage, disease state. But today, I want to take a pause because the Pharmacy Podcast Nation wants to get to know its new hosts. And we did talk with Becky, um, I want to say, several episodes back. But today's about you, Banaz. So I want to start off, why in the world did you want to become a pharmacist? Uh, well, that is a good question. I really didn't start off to be wanting to far- be a pharmacist, but... As a single mom, I guess I wanted to do something that still was in the healthcare industry and helping patients. And I noticed when um, when my grandma was sick, I guess it started that way. A lot of people, she had a lot of people that came into the home and cared for her, nurses and everything like that. But the one thing that was always missing was the medication piece. And so back then, it was a long time ago, I didn't know anything better 
but it was always a question of why are they taking this one? Why not? Why she have to take this with that? Or all these questions around medication. So really, it wasn't about me trying to be a pharmacist for any other reason, but just to kind of understand what was going on with her and have something like that in the future where it doesn't happen to another per elderly that they have all these uh, either family members taking care of them or the nurses, and they really have a hard time because they can be on 10, 15 medications. So really, that was the gist of why um, I really wanted to be a pharmacist. Kind of different than maybe which, other people. Which school of pharmacy did you go to? I went to Creighton University, which is, uh, I did the online program or distant uh, pathway, they call it. Um, it's it's not as luxurious as people think to be online, but it did help, um, you know, as a single mom again, to do everything online. But for the summertime, we did have to go for hands-on in the, in the school itself, which is in Nebraska. A really great school. So now you're a pharmacist. You, mm -hmm. Did you know the, the route of a residency? I did not. Okay. And then did you jump into community or what sector of pharmacy did you jump into? Yes, I did community. Yes, that's, I wanted to be done with school out in the field and start. <laughs> Absolutely. So, and really, if you think of the, of the sectors of pharmacy, health system pharmacy, specialty disease states, community, long-term care, geriatric specialties, consultant mm -hmm. pharmacy, research, um, medical science liaisons. I mean, there's so much happening in pharmacy, even technologists who are really digging into artificial intelligence and digital therapeutics, pharmacogenomics is becoming one of those sectors that I think is going to almost break off into its own when we have experts in the field of PGX to be able to be leveraged as not only the medication experts, but also um, how are these medications being absorbed? What's the efficacy of a specific um, patent um, from one of the pharma manufacturers. How's that going to change drug development? So what made you excited and or be drawn to PGX? Well, uh, when I uh, finished pharmacy school, actually, when I was a student, let me kind of backtrack. When I was a student, I, um, I want to do a research. And so I got together with uh, Washington University in the occupational therapy department, where we did, uh, we went to people's homes um, and kind of reviewed their medications. Well, obviously back then I was a student, but still um, went to enough homes, enough older adults who are homebound. So you really don't get to see those people coming into the pharmacy to pick up their prescription. Somebody's always bringing it to them. So they have no um, chance to ask their questions or somebody to really go through it with them. Um, so those are the people that I went to their homes and did their uh, medication management, uh, sort of as a student, limited, um, limited things I could do. But anyways, I noticed that you, there's a, a theme between all of them. They're all basically more than 10, 15 medications and they all have, um, they have different either side effects or benefits of, from the medication. They all see, I saw different things. And so I, I remember in school, we took one course of uh, pharmacogenomics, but I didn't know what I was looking at or seeing. It was kind of over my head. Uh, but then I re when I stumbled upon pharmacogenomics, I saw that was really what the missing piece was. And it kind of made sense as to all these people taking almost the same medication, but they're reacting to it different, whether that means the side effect or the benefits. So it kind of got me um, interested in looking into it further and educating myself and educating providers and pharmacists. So here, here I am. That's how that's really how it started. 
I, when I was learning about this, just to be able to help to develop a handheld app mm -hmm. that would tell a physician if a, um, if a patient's insurance would, would allow them to be a candidate for a PGX test. And I know that's not the way that a physician should necessarily um, right. prescribe a test or not, but that's the reality of what we're living in. I really concentrated on that oncology sector first because we had Plavix that would be a blood thinner and then people would die because they're either they weren't metabolizing fast enough or whatever. And I mean, there's some, there's some information under that that goes much deeper than I'm ever going to talk about. But when I think about the significant factors and impacts of PGX, we're talking about oncology, psychiatric, pain management, anticoagulation coagulation. See, I can't even say it. And, <laughs> and also the newest one, which is transplant um, uh, support and medications that go along with transplant patients. Do you have a specific sector as we start um, kind of slicing the pie of pharmacogenomics that you're drawn to? Uh, yes. I mean, all of them are as important, I guess, uh, but I'm more um, into the psych or the psychiatric medications just because almost um, a lot of older adults are on some kind of antidepressants or antipsychotics or anti-anxiety medication, things like that. And so I think it it's, uh, brings a lot of value in that place because antipsychotics takes a while, like antidepressants, for example, like um, Prozac, it takes a while to for the body to um, Get the benefits from it. It can take a few months or trials and errors between you know one drug versus the other till you find the right one that works for you. But some people don't have that time to wait to be mentally stable. So I think that's where why I'm so drawn into that field of it because I want these these people to get to the right treatment sooner. And so that's where my interest lies. Well, that's interesting because I'm a father of four daughters. Something. Lucky you. Yeah, I know. Seriously, and um, I think. Two of my three dogs are also female, so I'm definitely um, one of the, uh, I, I don't have the say in the house per se as much as I would like. Um, right. When I think of that, I think of pediatrics and I think, okay, mental health has become, it's become de-stigmatized, it's being accepted much more. And when I think of some of the over-prescribing that happens with children, and in kind mm -hmm. of the rainbow and the balance between over-prescribing and under-prescribing, uh, the pharmacist can really help in the middle there where, where there are children that do need um, medication and or temporary medication support and how mental health plays into um, PGX. Can you kind of dig into that to, to differentiate um, kind of the, the, the way that a physician might, for example, uh, mental health medications or psychiatric medications, uh, psychotropics, they're, they have to build up in your system to really get to where they're supposed to be. But if I had a 12-year-old you know, son that was very depressed and, and you know, we, we were very worried about his health and, you know, and the whole suicide thing, which is so scary for, for anyone or any parent mm -hmm. out there, what could the PGX test tell me right up front that if, if let's call him Johnny, if Johnny was going to metabolize this medication correctly, can we speed up that effectiveness of a medication based on a PGX test? 
Um, so before the, the, I know a lot of people probably should be on medications. I don't want to say people should not be, but also, uh, just as a side note, cognitive therapy helps a lot. So I'm, I'm not advocating for always being on a medication where some people have to be, but cognitive therapies is, it's really the mind, but I understand some people, the hormone levels are, um, need to be adjusted based on medication, but that's just a side note. But yeah, so with the, um, with the psych, uh, the psych medication. So if, so if you have someone who's suicidal, that's what I was just saying. You want to get the patient in um, mental stability sooner than later. You don't want to wait, which is an average of about three months, where you really get the benefits um, of uh, antidepressant, for example. Uh, you really get the benefits in three months. So you don't want to wait for someone to become mentally stable because they need that medication right now. So if we can do a PGX test, uh, hopefully ahead of time, so we kind of do a um, elimination process of what would work better, not saying PGX test is the way to go and that's how you, it should be used as to prescribe. It's just like another guide to use uh, that would kind of help with the therapy. Okay, we can't go with Prozac, so let's just stick uh, with something else, something like that. So if we can kind of eliminate those things that we know won't work based on the person's gene, why not do that from the start so the process is quicker, especially for someone who really needs to be on therapy like yesterday. So that's interesting. So do you feel that if someone took a test or that was a, a more serious case, had been diagnosed by the psychiatrist, primary care, altogether collaborative thinking, you know, this is a serious case. If they took a test, could it give the pharmacist, physician, psychiatrist understanding of what medication they should be on based on the, the, that report that you get when you take a PGX test? Does it tell you, hey, don't put them on this medication because it's going to be, they're going to slow metabolize or, hey, maybe we should skip this one because it's fast metabolized. So and I'm out here in the clinic, clinical talk that I shouldn't be because I'm not a clinician, <laughs> but I'm just trying to imagine, you know, how it could um, increase uh, the ability or speed up the ability to get on the right dosing. Well, I would say um, it's another tool to use. So I wouldn't use it as the one page sheet, I guess, if you want to call it. Uh, to say, okay, I can't be on the person can't be on this drug, but they have to be on this drug. It's just like we have a like we have a lot of guidelines out there for blood pressure, what to start off a person, uh, and then move down the list. Or for diabetes, what to start off a person. Let's say the first line therapy is metformin, and then you go down based on the rest of the criteria. We have guidelines for every disease state or what is recommended to use. That doesn't mean, for example, metformin or any other first-line therapy will work for that person. So it has to be a holistic approach where you look at the patient, you sit down with the patient, you go through every other, everything else that's going on with the person, um, and then use the PGX report as another guide to say, okay, based on what I'm seeing the patient in front of me and what their needs are and where I wanna go, uh, this medication might not be the right one. So I just wanna make that clear that that PGX report is not a one page, uh, like a, a sheet. Well, actually, they come in uh, multiple pages, but to use as to guide therapy uh, in that sense, it's just another tool to be used. I hope that kind of makes sense. It does. I've heard I've heard explanations before uh, from several pharmacists as well as physicians on that topic of of PGX, and much of it does go over my head. But I do understand enough that it 
it's a new tool and I think it's going to be, well, it's not new in the sense of pharmacogenomics. It's been around for years and years and years, but being leveraged and being utilized as a tool, it's been more accepted because the reimbursement for that test 10 years ago was right around the $1,800 to $2,200 range. And now we're being able to do these tests for $400, $300 where, where it's very much needed. But in psychotropics, even though on uh, even though on um, you know heart disease and what happens there and in blood thinners and things like that, which sounds very serious, I just think that the psychiatric side of this is a whole open opportunity for pharmacists to jump in who are interested not only in mental health but leveraging pharmacogenomics. It is, and actually, I had a, a client who's a younger child. And this is, comes back to the, what I just said before. It's really important that when pharmacists are doing PGX, they meet with the patient or the parent's patient, uh, and they go over all the medical history and what they've taken so far, what they're on right now, what they're trying to get to, the goals, and then do the PGX report. So you don't sit there not knowing who the patient is and just get the, you know, let's say the provider just doing the cheek swab and just you get a report and you just sit there and just look at a raw data uh, because I've had this happen a few times where, like I said, it's just a guide to use where the patient's genetic report says, okay, they should probably not be on this medicine because it's not either going to work or they're going to have side effect profile because it's not doing anything. But the patient's uh, lab results, like for the cholesterol, it was just fine. So there was no need for change or they were not experiencing the side effects that the report was saying. So it's it's not, um, you know, it's like a cookie, cookie cutter, basically. So it's a holistic approach. So that's, that's very important because at the end of the day, it really does provide a lot of beneficial information. But we have to remember there's a patient behind those uh, raw data that we're looking at. Boy, we're thinking of 1954. I'm not sure if you realize that, but a Scientific American report, um, the publication is called Scientific American by Francis Crick. And in that report, he wrote that DNA alone, free of protein, may be able to carry genetic information to alter treatments. And that, I mean, that was 1954. So I don't, you know, I'm, I'm the patient, so I can be impatient because um, I can be the judgment to, you know, our modern healthcare. And I just feel that based on business mechanisms, payment mechanisms that have nothing to do with outcomes or care, that PGX has been held back. And I think that there hasn't been enough research done 20 years ago to bring us to a point in time in 2021 where we're leveraging it more so than what we were. And I, and I know that, you know, in my day and age in the eighties, it was, you know, Buck Rogers and star Wars and Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> there were lots of, uh, healthcare, um, references happening that were very sign, you know, very futuristic, but we're here now and we have these tools. And I, and I think of, you know, when, when is it going to be, not really a debate anymore. When are they going to start pulling the PGX lever on all disease states under the category X, whether that be psychiatric, um, you know, oncology, pain management, pain management too. We're talking about mm -hmm. the whole opioid epidemic and how we could identify, hey, does this patient even absorb and or respond to um, these pain medications the way that they're supposed to and the way that they were designed? 
So I'm, I'm excited about this. Yeah, you know, PGX has been around for a really long time. It just got a bad rep uh, a while ago because a lot of sales reps were selling the um, kits to the providers. And so there was no middle person like the pharmacists are today to kind of come in, take the all that education they have and all the time they may have uh, and to help the providers, you know, cut down in like 30, 40 pages of report, raw, you know, all these genes and numbers and letters mixed together to kind of put into one page recommendation specific to their patient. So right now we have those, it's just the education piece is missing, but it's been around for a long time. Like you said, it just um, needs to be brought up in that, in that light, I guess. Well, that's why I get jazzed up when I know a pharmacist uh, like Becky and like you, who are now part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network can really bring some of this evidence-based studies and references and, and reports that you've read and latest news that we can mix this into the PGX for Pharmacist podcast. If you're listening and you are a pharmacist or you are a physician or you are a nurse practitioner and you have any experience in any of the categories where PGX seems to make sense the most, what are those categories? I know we have uh, mental health, uh, oncology, pain management. What else is there? I'm, I'm forgetting. Um, there is cancer, like yeah. oncology. I think that you mentioned that. Yep. No, I'm just saying where you really leverage PGX within the categories that they put them in. I always go out to Google. And if you don't know this, if you're listening and you don't know this, if you put in the word pharmacogenomics, FDA, you'll bring up the whole biomarker chart in all the disease state, you know, categories. And they'll even kind of give you some granular information. It's very interesting kind of what they're tracking. But, um, but I'm excited that you're part of this, uh, Benaz. Um, what do you want to accomplish with this publication? Well, I just want, um, I guess, a few things, if I had to say a word to other pharmacists that are trying to do this or are doing this, that you know, well, kudos to you for doing it and providing the care, of course, but look at it as also when you're uh, talking to providers that you bring the value that it provides instead of trying to think, you know, some people are trying to have a side consulting business and I get that, but finding the solution, uh, finding a um, solution to a problem that the provider has in their practice. So if you're trying to go into a um, I don't know, cardiovascular or endocrinologist or a pain management physician, and you're trying to bring PGX to their patients besides explaining the value it has, maybe take time to kind of read about their practice, what type of patients they have and what they're already offering. So when you go into the practice, you're, you know, you're trying to bring in a solution to a problem that's there and kind of have that kind of mindset instead of, I just want to um, have them do PGX, but why would they have to do PGX? They're doing fine before you came along. So it's kind of having a different mindset um, of, you know, trying to have, bring in the value of PGX to their provider. So I, I really think that's, that's really key. And of course, you know, making sure that if you are doing PGX, again, you sit down with the patient, do a whole a holistic approach of their conditions, the medications they're going through, what their goals are, what they're trying to get at before you um, sit down and look at the report uh, and look at the raw data. That's great. Dr. Banaz Sarami, I'm excited that you're part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network, which will be delivering information on PGX with PGX for Pharmacists podcast. You can find the existing episodes at pgx 
number four rx.com. Once again, that's PGX, the number four rx.com. If you're listening and you want to participate in ongoing discussions surrounding the leverage of pharmacogenomics, we have two pharmacists who are now focused on this. And if you want to participate, please reach out to us. You can always find me, publisher at pharmacypodcast.com. You can always find us at Pharmacy Podcast on, on Instagram, on Twitter, on LinkedIn. Very easy to find us. Naz, thank you so much for being part of this. Um, I'm looking forward to the information that you're going to bring to our listeners. And um, I can't wait to, to hear your next episode. Well, thank you, Todd. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity. Thank you. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network's PGX for Pharmacists. We were on with Dr. Banaz Sarami. She is a PharmD, and we are excited to have her as part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network family. And as always, I thank you for being the hub of healthcare. You're my most favorite provider. You pharmacists that are out there, high five to you. We absolutely love you. If there's anything that we can do for you, please reach out to the Pharmacy Podcast Network accessiblepharmacypodcast.com. Thanks for your interest in PGX and for spending some time with us. Please share this podcast and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. For all of our episodes, please visit pgx4rx.com. That's pgx4rx.com.